If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am your host today, AJ Hayfully, alongside Nathan Rudolph. We are here on our last pre-draft show. I'm kind of excited about it, man. Yeah, it's it's the last one before we actually get to do the thing. Yeah, before we're actually talking about who was selected Friday night in the first round. Yeah, it'll it won't be a mock then anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully we're mocking somebody other than Colorado come Friday night. Um. Well, that is that is the direction we are going to go today. Uh, we figured, why not? One last mock draft for, for funsies. Uh, we haven't done one in a while, and a lot has changed since uh, since the last swing that we had at it. So, Yeah, it's I incredible think, uh, how fast it switches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Dylan Cousins has gone from being a top five pick to not a top ten pick to a top five pick again. <laughs> right. And it's like, all righty. This is this is something. So I guess let's just dive right in. Uh, we're only going to do up to 16. So anybody that's listening who's a fan of teams after the 16th pick, sorry. Um, <laughs> we, have an, we have an avalanche audience and we're going to cater to them. Uh, okay, well, first off, I, I, I guess we, we probably should have worked this out pre-show how we want to do this. Do you want to make a pick and then I'll make a pick and then or do we want to like pick them together uh either way we should definitely pick the abs ones together i would think right okay i think we could definitely we can definitely work together on four and 16 yeah uh otherwise just to just to make it easier we'll just alternate yeah that's fine so Uh, yeah i got dibs because i'm gonna take hughes and you'll take cacao done yeah (laughs) 
one two bang yeah so i've got i've got dibs on the devils just so that i'll make sure that that jack hughes goes first because i think that's probably what happens i'd I'd have taken hughes first too if i had to (laughs) through gritted teeth yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well i guess that leaves you with the rangers and and cacao yep still the easiest pick in the whole draft so yeah uh pretty uh Pretty straightforward stuff there. Not really much to talk about with picks one and two. No, nope. I am. I am. I will be happy when they're when they're over, and I will laugh really hard if Kakao goes one. And <laughs> it's just like not laughing like I'm not. Nah, they're so stupid, kind of way, but in like a his assault on Jack Hughes's position at number one. That like this relentless siege that he was. Uh, he was putting on at the end of the season, like it finally paid off at the very end. Well, and it's like New Jersey would actually do it again, like they did with his year to Patrick. Yeah, that was that was a come draft day a, a minor surprise. Yeah, it, it it was way his year was way closer than than Kako seems to be this year, but it was still everyone thought Patrick was going to be the guy up until like the last couple of days. That and that was what was crazy was we I, I heard all kinds of stuff about Philadelphia and uh, Makar and Haskinen. Yeah, that they were going to take one of those defensemen and should have done that. Should've. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if that serves as like a warning to teams. I'm nobody's thinking about 2017 as they prepare for the draft right now, but I wonder if like we look back and you know, Byram drops like he's about to in our mock draft here. Yeah. Uh, and, and we look back on it. We're like, should they just should have taken Byram. It was obvious. Should have just taken the franchise defenseman. What you doing? <laughs> it's so much easier two years later, huh? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but especially because it looks like Haskinen and Makar are both going to be studs. Yeah. That it's like, woo. You did literally the only thing, and and Patterson too. Yeah, that's like true. the taking Patrick. It's like you took the only guy in the top five that's not gonna so far does not look like a high end NHL player, right? So, although you know, I'm always rooting for Nolan Patrick. Of course, I, I like him too. He always seemed like such a great kid, and yeah, I've never heard anything else outside of that. So, you know, and having that kind of pressure and not living up to those expectations. I mean, it's gotta be really, really tough on a, on a guy his age. I'm sure it's not a position I am be to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make nice money and all, but boy, what could have been? I just hope he can stay healthy, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's always really been a big part of his story is, is he going to, is he cool or not? Right. Is he is he good to go? Because you know that was like the story in his draft year that opened up the door for anybody to come and take that top spot. I guess there's some there's some parallels there to the guy you're about to take at three. I assume. Uh, yeah, there there are actually. Um, I really, I honest to God, I want to be bold and take Trevor Zegras with this pick. I really do. I. The idea of because I, I do think it's I do think it's uh, a little more open, mm-hmm. but 
I don't I can't imagine that the Chicago passes up on the hometown kid. Yeah. Not with all the connections that they have. Especially when he's such a such a slam dunk top five pick too. Yeah. I, I mean such an such an easy selection that they don't have to uh, they'll never have to fret about. Yep. I just think I'm yeah, I'm I'm taking Turcotte with a three uh to to Chicago begrudgingly. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping on come draft day they take Zgross. But this is fine. It he makes too much sense. Uh Stan Bowman and Alfie Turcotte are homies. There's I just it just seems like there's no way they'll pass this up. Yeah, I I agree with you. It certainly wouldn't complain if they wanted to go crazy and take Zgross, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. And that opens up that opens up the the floor for us at number four, man. What a we've we've had this debate a thousand times. Yeah, time one more time. Yeah, one 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 last time into the breach. <laughs> I I think Zgras has made it interesting. Um, I just I, and since you and I are the ones that are making the pick, man, I think I think we're probably going to land on the right guy here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know who I would take, and it's as much as I want Byram. It it certainly sounds like that's not the way the Avs are going, and yeah. it, to me, it, it's pretty clear cut that the best forward here is Doc. Yeah, I I do agree. Um, I think that the I think the fact that he is so much of what the Avs are not helps. It does. He's, he's something very unique to what the Avs put on the ice most nights. So, yeah, I am the the his size and his playmaking ability. I mean, he's a he's a turbo version of what the Avs have gotten out of Carl Soderberg the last couple of years. Exactly. Like and a like a yacht version, like the yeah. super fancy high end version of that player. <laughs> Yep, the the billionaire's toy instead of the the stock version, I guess. Yeah, instead of instead of like the rowboat. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know. Maybe that's a little too harsh on on Soderbergh. Well, I mean, if Soderbergh was was eighteen, maybe it's a little bit closer. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But he's thirty three or thirty four now, I think. So. He's the he's the boat that got cut in half in the Flexio commercial. <laughs> Stuck back together and worked surprisingly well. But... Yep, and and has been awesome, has defied the odds. Yep. And and continued rocking and rolling. And then Kirby Doc is the yacht version of that. I think that's a good comparison. I like that. <laughs> Kirby Doc is the yacht version of the boat that got cut in half in the Flexio commercial. <laughs> We cut a hole in this yacht. Yeah, this this is this show has started off phenomenally. <laughs> so Doc is our pick here. Yep. Um, it's it's taking a big chance, but no matter who they take, they're going to be taking a big chance on who they're not taking. 
Yeah. Even if they even if they take Byram, you're taking a chance that you don't have as much as it's like, oh, well, the Avs are not going to be in position to take a a top defenseman for a long time. They're not going to be in position to take a top forward for a long time either. Right. As you're, much you're hoping that a guy that they're going to be taking in the second half of the first round for the in the next few years, of course, if things go as expected, um, then you know you're hoping that those guys turn into high end players. But it doesn't position wise; it doesn't matter. You're talking. You're you're talking. You're going to be watching a lot of teams select players before you ever get a shot at one. Yeah, it's as much as we're hoping for a, a tier two level forward to fall to 16, it's not unreasonable to think that they're all gone, especially if we can't find a way to move up. Yeah. And, and with doc, I mean, or Zgros or Turga, whatever, you know, whichever forward that we ended, we ended up with. And um, in this, in this case, we chose for the abs to take doc. Yeah. Um, it's you're ta- they're they're going to be taking a chance on a on a high end forward and just say hey like let's yeah if we're, if we're trying abs- we're trying to fill this huge hole in our in our organization right now because we just don't have that next forward for sure it, the the hole is pretty clear there the Avs will happily fill it with a Doc or a Zegris mm-hmm. and. For me, it just comes down to Doc's a little bit less risk with the same upside. So, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's gonna be it's gonna be potentially franchise changing whatever decision they come to. Um, in this, that leaves Byram still on the board for LA. Yep, and uh, and Detroit to fight it out. Yeah. If we're moving on to pick five, I I don't see Byram getting past L.A. It, it It's such an L.A.-type player. It, it, his comparisons to Dowdy line up great. He, you have Rob Blake, who is a similar type of defenseman to the way that Byram played. It's just such an easy, easy fit there if he gets to five. <clears throat> yeah, I'm... <clears throat> As my voice falls apart, uh, I'm I, I've got Byram to L.A. I know the Kings are hard up after after defense. They are looking at him as the you know, and they they have very little. They've got, it's like Kale Clegg. Yeah, not my favorite prospect either. <laughs> right, and like we could we could definitely have a conversation about you know what what do we think of Kale Clegg, but. <laughs> That's I that's to me that's their top defensive prospect and that I mean Byram slide him on in there man like yeah that's a pretty easy right at the top of the list type guy so yeah and for a team that slid all the way down to five uh, for them to get the top defenseman in the draft is that's a good day for them doesn't feel quite as bad then does it <laughs> yeah you know given given how I mean we talk oh the Avs got screwed you know but all the teams behind Colorado um. You know, L.A. certainly made it interesting there, where they they tried to they tried to give Ottawa a chance until the very end when L.A. got really hot and Austin Wagner took over and <laughs> turned into awesomeness. Um, that this is a good way for them to this is good this is a good result for them. Yeah, this this works for I think everybody in this top five kind of walks out feeling happy with with what they've what they what they needed and what they got. 
and it's hard to I mean, I mean you could you could definitely make arguments for other guys in other places you could make the argument that Byram should be a priority for either of the top two teams as well now I'm not saying he's that caliber of prospect but like you look at you look at New Jersey's defense. There's nothing there in terms of um, in terms of meaningful prospects. And the Rangers are. I I don't really know what the Rangers are doing. Honestly, yeah. like they're rebuilding in in such an impressive way. But I always feel like they're always on the verge of saying, "Screw it, we're going for it again." Right. <laughs> and so yeah. I never like like trading for Jacob Truba. Like it was a great deal. It was a great deal for them. Incredible value, but. Like, are you rebuilding or like what? Yeah, the, it's it's such an impressive rebuild that it does feel like they could turn the corner at any moment and just say, here we go, boys. <laughs> right. Like, eh, now we're going all in again because we're the Rangers, you know, right. like we sent out that big letter to our fans. Oh, this is going to be painful. Have some patience with us. And. Two years later, they're like flipping the switch and being like, all right, we're gunning for it. Full steam ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, tough to tell. Yeah. So that's our top five. We, uh, Hughes, Kakao, Turcotte, Doc, and Byram. <sighs> I think that's a, that's a solid top five with, with Zegras, the wild card kind of there, right? Yeah, the Zegras that could go at three, four, or five. Yeah. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first break here. We will come back on the other side. We will run through picks six through ten, maybe more, maybe less. I don't, you know, just we'll just see how long it takes. We'll see how, what the conversation uh, ends up being on that one. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in second segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We are running through picks Six through ideally ten, but you know maybe maybe eleven, maybe twelve. We'll see. We'll see how much we actually have to say about all these teams, kind of in the middle of of the draft, uh, as we uh, work our way to Colorado's second first round selection. Rudo Detroit seems like they're in an interesting spot. They just missed out on Bowen Byram, which means they've got all the forwards left to pick from. Have not really shown much interest in Byram to begin with. It's kind yeah. of an odd approach. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that that seems to be the way the draft fell out. That he, despite him moving up as the clear cut number one defenseman and, and on some boards even being ranked the third best player in the draft, he's just not fitting with a lot of teams. But 
He's in LA yeah. now, I guess. <laughs> well, and and no move up. Like we didn't we didn't bring it up. We didn't talk about it. Uh, Detroit has shown no interest whatsoever in moving up from six to four to get Byram. Right. You know, we've seen uh, Dennis Chalowski and Philip Ronick, uh from the 2016 draft have shown pretty well in their NHL career so far, although very brief. They've also used a lot of draft picks in the last couple of years uh, on on defensemen high up. You know, they uh, they used second round picks the last two years on on defensemen. And third round picks. So they've taken, they took three defenders last year in the top 84, 81 selections. And they took two defenders at 38 and 71 in 2017 after using their first and second round picks in 2016 on defenders. So they've really invested heavily at the position as well as like later picks that I'm not even getting into because who knows. Right. But. They've they've invested heavily at the position, is what I'm saying here. They just haven't used the high pick. Is it? Do you think maybe if this is a mistake for them to to feel like they don't need to even begin to look at it? I mean, they have they have three third or three second round picks that they could be using to potentially move up. Why why are they just seemingly completely uninterested? Well. In this draft, I I do think moving up has a little bit less value unless specifically it's for Byram because there are plenty of forwards right there, as we've talked about. And that's the best way to get value, I think. You you don't have to pay anything to take a a top flight forward out of this draft at six. So I I understand where they're coming from at that point. And I, I personally would be interested in moving up for Byram, but with the young flight of defensemen that they have coming with the extremely strong draft they had last year, I can see them standing pat and they do need to recognize that it's a long way home for them right now. They're still completely rebuilding and maybe they're looking for more pick equity there than, than giving up picks to move up a spot or two. I, it just seems they used a top 10 pick two years ago on Michael Rasmussen. Yeah, they used the sixth pick last year. It's the same pick they have this year on Philip Zadina. Then used their other first round pick on Joe Valeno, and then their first second round pick that they had last year on Jonathan Bergren, who's another center. Yeah, that's it's a fair argument. They they do have a lot of a lot of forwards there already, but and and their NHL team. I mean, you look at you know Dylan Larkin. Uh, Anthony Mantha, Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Bertuzzi, Evgeny Svechnikov, as well as Rasmussen. Like, these are all young forwards that are all 24 or younger that I just named who are all going to be, like, their future. Why? It seems... Why is Steve Eiserman insistent on taking a forward here? Because for all of all of the talk about, oh, well, the Avalanche, you know, they should just take Byram and be done with it. Um, this is an easy pick here. What it, why is it, is it an indictment on Byram that a team that could absolutely justify moving up just two spots uh, to, to do this? And they have, again, they have three second round picks to play with 
that they could they could easily entice Colorado to to drop back a, just the two spots. Yeah, I don't think it's an indictment of Byram. You could certainly make a case that perhaps because he's the best defenseman in the class, maybe he's getting a little bit overrated and they detract from him there. But I, I really don't think that's it. I think Iserman is just interested in taking a forward this year. Maybe he values them more. I I don't know what Detroit's future plans are. Maybe they're planning to attach some of these young kids to some of their stupid, stupid contracts that they have to free themselves up and, and they can replenish that way. It's, I don't get it, man. <laughs> if there's one thing about this entire draft process, if there's one, it's that they have shown essentially no interest whatsoever in Bowen Byram. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. They're in a perfect position to do this. Are are they con- going to continue to plan to tank next year? Are they going to continue to be bad next year? Like, is that their plan? Is that they're going to be an again? They're going to be a bottom caliber team, and it's that's... pretty hard to see something different given the decor that they have left after this coming year. Most of their older decor contracts are up, but yeah, and then they get to totally refresh and turn it over. Uh, you know, I know that they, they were really excited. They got Madison Bowie out of Washington. Yeah. Um, who was a pretty high pick in his own right back in the day. Um, but it's, it just doesn't make sense to me of all, for all the, all the different conversations we've had about a lot of these different teams. This is honestly like the one that I just don't get. I, it's made no sense to me that they, just seem to be totally that we've heard nothing out of them about having any interest whatsoever. And maybe it's an, maybe it's an amazing smoke screen, but there doesn't seem to be any interest from them in moving up. And I would love for tomorrow that they called up and they said, Hey, we really want Byram. We know you guys aren't going to take him. We know LA is, and we're, uh, we're, we're willing to deal. We're willing to give you two of these second rounders, you know, take, They've got their own, which is obviously a really high second rounder. And then they have the Islanders and the Sharks. And both those teams made the playoffs. So those are much later. And, you know, if they wanted to to give Colorado the two late second rounders to move up those two spots, hey, you're getting the you're, you're giving up two guys in the second round for the best defenseman in the draft. Yeah. I, what do the Avs even have to lose, right? They know Detroit's going to take Byram there. They know LA right. has significant interest in Zegris. So you can right. move back to six and potentially and, get the same player. Right. And still get, and and maybe LA makes that decision for you. Maybe they take Kirby Doc and then you just take Trevor Zegras. Sure. Six. It, it's not a hard decision either way. Then they take Zegras and then you take the guy that you're going to take it for anyway, while adding a couple of picks. It makes perfect sense from all angles. And the only reason I've spent this much time on it is because it doesn't make sense that the that Detroit does not seem to be interested. This isn't a failure of Colorado to drum up a market for their pick. There's an obvious need there. There's an obvious player there. For whatever reason, the team that's the team that makes the most sense to move up, because you start talking about Buffalo and Edmonton and, and Anaheim moving up, that starts to get expensive. Yeah. And but just to go from six to four, I mean, and and that they have three second round picks to play with. They even have two second round picks next year to play with. So they could they could even they could even kick the can down the road and say, hey, we'll get another second next year, and mess with that. 
They could do so many different things because they and they also have extra third round pick next year and an extra third round pick in 2021. They have all of the picks that they could possibly need to get aggressive to move the two spots. And for whatever reason, they just seem totally content to just say, well, we'll take another forward. It seems dumb to me. It seems like poor management. I don't get it. Unlike Colorado, they don't have a number one D currently sitting around. As much as like Hronik and, and Chalowski are guys that I like, you know, maybe Madison Bowie is going to be good. And some of these other guys that they've taken, um, you know, McIsaac last year, guy that Gustav Lindstrom, maybe these guys turn out. But for right now, like it just doesn't make any sense to me that they're not getting aggressive and going for a true blue chip defensive talent. If the abs didn't have one and they were still going to pass up on Bowen Byram, I'd be freaking out because it would be incredibly stupid. Yeah. I, I think that's, it's a fair assessment that, that none of the ones Detroit has are, are true top flight talents. And it's, it's hard to say. I don't know why they don't value that defenseman as much, or maybe they do. And, and they're just not letting on, but, if they're interested, the Avs should definitely be picking up the phone. A hundred percent. I mean, that would be, that's best case scenario. I think for, for tomorrow night is that Detroit finally tips their hand says, Hey, we want, we're dying for that defenseman. They move up a couple of spots. The Avs get a couple of second rounders or, you know, whatever it ends up being. They have so many picks to play with that. It's like, it's, it would be, it would be hard not to find a fit. Yeah. And they add the extra picks. They move back two spots. They still get one of the guys that they want. And you move on. I mean, that, and that, that even gives them more ammo to move up from 16 if they want. Right. To get another one of these guys that they may like. So that's, for me, I just, it just seems, it seems silly, but that's the world that we're living in. So let's go ahead and make their forward pick for them. Um, I gave you even numbers, so I guess this is on you. Oh, all right. Uh, if it were me picking at Detroit, we're going forward here. And a guy that's that I think I I see them liking a bit more is Vasily Podkolzin. The more I look at it. Good pick. It's Detroit's always had success with Russians. Mm-hmm. Eiserman played a long time with very good Russian players. I think it's a good fit there. Drafted a lot of Russians in Tampa. The The two-year wait isn't going to kill them very much. They, Like I said, they already have to get through this year to clean up their defense and all of those contracts. And, and another year, they're not really likely to, to be needing him immediately, as we've said with all the forwards they've drafted. Uh, but once he's ready, he'll be able to come over and slot right in for them as they're starting to turn things around. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the pick I would have made. So I'm going to be ultra biased here and say great job. <laughs> uh, well, that leaves me that leaves me on the board at, at seven uh, with the Sabres and I'm taking Trevor Zegras. Yeah, I think um, that's the pretty easy one at that point, right? I mean, this is kid is kid has got high end skill, and it could be it could be their middle stat pick all over again. But yeah, it could be the middle stat pick all over again, but working this time. <laughs> so I'm yeah, I'm taking Z Ross to Buffalo. That's for me. That's a that's an easy one. 
Um, just take, they should just take whichever forward falls, honestly, out of that top grouping that they like the most. Yeah, I, I agree, basically. Uh, Edmonton, you got, you got the Oilers. Yeah. I'm sorry for that. That's okay. Unnecessarily cruel. Everyone's been pounding the table that Edmonton is going to do this, and it's the most Edmonton thing ever, and I agree. So it's Broberg time. (laughs) Okay. I'm down. That's fun. It's it's just the classic Edmonton-like swing in all the wrong ways. Where they they do need defensemen, drafting one on the higher end, which Broberg, if he hits, would be a higher end one. But can they figure out how to do it with him? Can they get him to the NHL level and not have this blow up in their faces? Yeah, it's. I don't know, man. I the. <laughs> First mock draft I wrote, I had Broberg going to the Oilers, and so does here. This buzz just makes me laugh because at the time it was the most Oilers thing I could think of. It is. It's. It totally is. From every angle, it just feels Oilers. Yeah, it's. All right, well, Broberg. Uh, hey, maybe he turns into a superstar someday. He could, or not. Yeah, or or not. Honestly, like that's. <laughs> Anaheim up uh, up next, and I tell you, they've got their pick of two of my favorite forwards in this draft class. Yep. They need defense so badly, though. They really do. And I, I boy, <laughs> whoever they take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, they're a genius, because Anaheim <laughs> does this about as well as anybody. They really do. They seem to take the right guy every time. And... I think that I'm going to stop Matt Boldy's fall. Okay. Um, they need a defenseman so badly, but Anaheim Anaheim knows what they're doing. Yep. And I think they're going to look at Boldy and they're going to look at Krebs and they're going to say, wow, both of these guys are available to us at nine. You guys suck at what you do. Thank you so much. And I think they're going to take Boldy. Um, I think the tiebreaker being that he's healthy. Yeah, that's that's perfectly fair. Krebs's injury definitely could come into play there, and Boldy also is a winger. But if yeah. you see him as a center in the future, you could see some more versatility there, possibly. And I mean, just fits their identity so yeah. nicely. I mean, a guy that really just slides right in. He especially uh, with a, a buyout of a guy like Corey Perry. Yeah. Yeah, well, and they've got a lot of young forwards coming in. They do. So, um, I think they don't need a forward here, but that's not how you'd use drop, top 10 draft picks. Right. You just take the best guy, and I think that's Boldy left on the board. I, I think that's perfectly fair. All right, finish us off with the yeah. Vancouver at 10. The, the host of the draft. Yeah, they are the host, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Boy, I mean the the hot buzz is that they want to take night here, right? But I think the hot buzz is they want to do something big. Yeah. Boy, do I want to go night or Krebs here? 
I don't know that they they would love Krebs. I'll go Knight. Let's do it. Let's say they go in and take the number one goalie at 10. Oh, my God. Okay. Sneak Knight into the top 10. He's been on the rise lately. Supposedly, Vancouver is one of the teams that's quite interested in him. And maybe they're afraid that, that someone a couple spots back, like a Florida, wants to take him. So they have to be aggressive with it. Okay. Well, you ruined my Florida pick, so. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guy. Uh, so, Knight at 10. Uh, top goaltender in this year's draft class. Uh, pretty clear separation there. Uh, some teams are crazy about this guy. Ended up 12th in Bob McKenzie's ranking. So, we'll we'll yeah. see. It's It's one thing to rank a guy somewhere. It's another thing to take him. So yeah, we will definitely see uh, there just kind of how that all goes. But I, I don't I buy into the hype that he doesn't get to 16. I do too. I 100% buy into that hype. I think Florida is his floor. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, him going at 10. Okay. I'm, I really reinforces that I don't know what Vancouver is doing. <laughs> Does Vancouver know what Vancouver's I, doing? Yeah, they are so insistent that they make the postseason that they're gonna they're gonna have their approach feels very skewed. So um I'm not sure. I'm I'm never sure what they're up to. So top ten finishes up and we've still got some pretty good players sitting on the board. Uh yeah. we've got Dylan Cousins, Cole Caulfield, Peyton Krebs. Alex Newhook, Victor Soderstrom, Moritz Sider, Thomas Harley, Cam York. Lots and lots of talent still sitting here on the board that has fallen out of that top 10. This, I think, would be a dream scenario for the Avalanche tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, in that so. forwards start dropping out, that we have Caulfield, Krebs, and Cousins on the board coming out of the top 10, I think is. And pick three names, you know, maybe, maybe instead right. of, instead of, uh, Krebs or instead of Caulfield, it's, it's Boldy or instead of Krebs, it's Boldy, you know, we'll swap one of those guys. Maybe instead of cousins who could easily go in this top 10 anywhere. Yes. Um, I am, I'm, I do think that that's, that's ideal to get I two non forwards in the last half of the, of the top 10. For the Avs, that's phenomenal because that's three forwards and they've only got six picks to go until they're on the clock again. Right. It's you're looking pretty likely that that one of those forwards could even make it to 16. Mm -hmm. And even if they start coming off the board, a move to, to 13 might not be that expensive. Right. That's and and hey, Florida's a team that they've done business with a couple of yep. times in the last couple of years. So. Yep. Uh, you know, two teams not afraid to tango with each other. Let's take our second break here. And um, we will be back on the uh, other side here. Segment number three to finish off this mock draft and roll into draft day. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, 
There are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything, from the contractors to the design, while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houselift.colorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60 k more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. Welcome in third and final segment of our last pre-draft show of 2019. That's crazy to say. <laughs> I, uh, that's crazy to say. Um, we are doing a mock draft here up until Colorado's second pick at 16. We've had an interesting top 10 finishing off with Spencer Knight going to Vancouver 10th overall. I guess that leaves me with the 11th pick in Philly um, because I'm not going to try and project any kind of trade down. Although I think that's the likeliest situation. Uh, I guess I have to pick for them now. And given that Philadelphia has had an off season that has made absolutely no sense yeah. even remotely, um, <laughs> I should do something crazy here. But instead of that, uh, I'm just going to take Dylan Cousins. That's not very crazy at all, is it? <laughs> it was the least crazy thing I could do, but yeah. he's the highest guy left on the board and a, a very Philly player. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, we put Cousins and Farabee on the wings opposite of each other in the future, and um, you got something. Yeah. It, it, if Cousins is there mm-hmm. at 11 and Philly's there at 11, which are two things that are definitely up in the air, yeah, <laughs> it would be a pretty easy fit. But Yeah. You could have a future line of Farabee, Frost, and Cousins, and you're feeling pretty good about yeah. the, those first-round picks you used. That'd be a that'd be a fun time. Glad that would be in the <laughs> East. Yeah, I dude, Philly has so much potential every year. I always I'm such a sucker for them every year, and then every year it blows up, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so and then stupid. They decide to trade players like Austin Bear for no reason. <laughs> yeah, well, and. They're like, hey, everybody else is worried now because the salary cap's not going up. Let's blow all the money we have. Yeah, seven million for Hayes is just well, wow. the, the for Gudis. seven years. Yeah, Gudis for Niskanen too. It's ooh, what are they doing? I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Uh, but we're on to another team that uh, we don't really know what they're doing either. With the Minnesota Wild having the 12th pick and seemingly no solid direction. Yeah, I'm not too sure on this one. I guess they do seem to have a bit more set on the decor. They do have Dumba behind Suter. They'll have a decision to make on Brodine, but if they can keep him... That gives them a, a decent top three anyway for the future. So I think this is probably as far as Krebs gets. 
Even yeah, with, do you think that even though they they bombed their first round pick on defense last year, that they would go right back to the forward well? I I think so. With someone like Krebs still on the board, I think there's just too much value for them to to fall back and and take a, a Soderstrom or something like that. If if they're looking to do that, I think they might be in the same boat as Philly here, where they'd be looking to move back a bit. Colorado should be making that phone call. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. So the Krebs dreams dies. We were excited that coming out of the top 10 cousins, Krebs and Caulfield were all still there and two picks in cousins right and off Krebs the- are now gone. <laughs> yep. So being the dream killers that we are with Florida, um, I'm not taking Caulfield. I'm, yeah. I'm not honestly. Um, I've said this over and over and over. Florida does not need another forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they just they just don't. <laughs> um, I do think that they would be a team that would have that old school, kind of that old school look. So I'm going to have them uh, go with Cider. Okay. I think, I think Talon is the kind of guy that will see that size and get seduced by that and not worry so much about skill. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I wonder a little bit how he fits with, with Ekblad, but they definitely don't that's need forwards, like problem. you said. And, and right, Cider is a guy that you can feel pretty comfortable and safe with on your decor. So, And he definitely, um, yeah, I think, I think I mean, Ekblad and Cider on the right side, that's fine. Yeah, I it certainly, it would be an easy fit to slide him in behind and maybe you're not quite asking as much of him then. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike Matheson long-term who knows? Yeah, of course. Cause cider's a project. I mean, this, that this is a guy that I think is probably three years away from his NHL debut barring like some, something crazy happening. Yeah. We've, we've talked about the DL before and how that's a long way from the NHL. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, um, we are doing the exact opposite this segment that we did last segment when we spent I spent 10 minutes railing against yeah, Detroit for being stupid. <laughs> um, we're flying through this one, so we're all the way up to 14 already. Yeah. Arizona's... Always unpredictable Arizona Coyotes yeah. and their draft day foibles. Yeah, they just do whatever they want, don't they? If they want Barrett mm-hmm. Hayton in five, they just do it. <laughs> um. This is this is where the draft starts to get interesting. You have a Caulfield left on the board. You have some of those guys in the next tier of, of forwards. Newhook, I guess, kind of falls in the middle. Mm-hmm. But then you also still have a have a Soderstrom on the board for the defensive side as well. So mm-hmm. you're you're definitely looking at a bit of a toss up here. But I think I like Caulfield here. Really, I do. I, I wanted to go with Soderstrom, but I've seen Arizona go through so many forwards that end up in Chicago and just kill it there. And then they love trying to emulate Chicago on the other end of things. And Cole Caulfield is their Alex DeBrincat. That's everybody's hope, is that Cole Caulfield becomes their Alex DeBrincat. Right, exactly. Because if you don't, girl, 
<laughs> not you, uh, not a good time. Yeah, you you worried. Well, when that doesn't pan out, they can trade him to Chicago and he'll be good there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the real who should we who should we be looking for Arizona to pick for Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> At this pick. Yeah. Chicago needs a defenseman, so maybe they should have gone Soderstrom. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's see here. So fifteen okay. is Montreal, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at the board. Um, I'm going with Alex Newhook here. Yeah. We've been. I, it's it's been rumored that they're super interested in him and that they're really all about him. So, uh, going for that. That's a bit of a heartbreaker for me, but I think it's realistic, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. I, easy, easy enough um, to just, oh, this guy managed to work his way down here. Perfect. I think this is where, I think this is as his floor. I I don't think he gets, I don't think Newhook gets passed. So this turned into a bit of a disappointment for the Avalanche at 16, where, Coming out of the top 10, you were feeling good. There were three guys that you really liked that were still on the board, plus a new hook. And all those guys got taken. Yeah, it it showcases why the Avs might want to be interested in moving up a couple of spots right here. <laughs> yeah, which is not the point we were trying to make by doing this, but absolutely shows that this could be... This could be very. I mean, this could be how this unfolds tomorrow, where the defense just doesn't go. Yeah, if it if the defensive run doesn't happen, then then this is probably at least close to what you're looking at. Well, we've got quite a decision to make now. Yeah, this is an interesting one. All the top guys are gone. Um, top defenseman left is Soderstrom. Soderstrom, Harley, Cam York, forwards left on the board. Uh, we've got guys like Suzuki, Tomasino, Lavoie, Kaliev. Yeah. It's, you know, I've been telling myself, especially over the past week, that I don't think taking a defenseman at 16 is right for the Avs. You don't think so? I don't think so. Even Soderstrom's the one that I'd be like, I I would be willing to do it. But with someone like Tomasino still there as well, you know the D-run is coming soon. You also have other options like Suzuki. I I think I agree with your whispering of of trade back there, maybe. But Trade back. Yeah. Supposedly Ottawa wants to move up. You can always take advantage of them again. <laughs> are, are you sure that number's not blocked? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> but if we're if we're not trading back, yeah, I mean it's a toss up between Tomasino and, and Soderstrom for me. Do you want to reach for Tomasino and get the forward? I think. I'd be perfectly fine with that. 
I do love I do love Tomasino. Um, I think I'm down with that. All right, I can live with that. Yeah, I'm. I mean, selfishly, I love I love Tomasino. <laughs> But the the temptation to move back and take, you know, let a couple of teams sort out Soderstrom and Harley. Yeah. Uh, any other defenders that somebody might like, Hinola. Uh, and then, obviously, Lavoie, Suzuki, Kaliev, Tomasino. Let those guys kind of sort out a little bit. Getting to, like, 22, getting down to, right. like, 22 or 23 would be so nice. Yeah, you definitely get get value out of an extra pick or two, depending on where they fall there. Yeah. And then you take, I've been very vocal about my love for Suzuki. And especially if we have doc at four and you're back at 22, I think even Kaliev's in the picture there. So you're, you're going to get a forward that, that at least has high potential still. Uh, 100%. So, um, I think from here, if this is how if this is how a draft day plays out, I think we're looking at staying at sixteen is the worst thing they can do, right? And it, and not a bad option. It's not a bad thing to just sit there and take a guy. But if they can find a partner to trade down with, now you don't want to go too far. You don't want to get to twenty eight or something. But dropping dropping a handful of spots and letting some of this board kind of work itself out, you get an extra pick and then you still get a guy that you like that's ideal or moving up and getting aggressive and going after a cousins or a Krebs yeah, um, or whoever ends up being the guys that fall tomorrow. That's, that's absolutely, right. I think the real approach Philadelphia at 11 should be your phone call. Yeah. If, if it becomes apparent that the fallers aren't going to make it to 16, it should spur action, whether that's up or down. Uh yeah, I'm I'm ready for um I'm I'm ready for the all the conversation to yep. really be over. Right. Yeah. And to just have two picks. Yep. And I would be all about I would be all about them jumping up and getting it over with. I don't want to give up a you know, I hate to give up like to get to get from sixteen to eleven, you probably have to give up forty seven. I would think so, probably. That's I, I think that's perfectly fair. I'd have no issues with that. And since you have the top pick of the third round, it's it's a minor cut to go up. And the difference between a guy like uh, Cousins and Tomasino might end up not being very big, but you don't want to take that chance, right? It you're feeling a lot more confident in an eleventh pick. <laughs> With with that top tier, well, I guess it's the second tier, really. But that second mm-hmm. tier of, of forwards is in that second tier for a reason, whether it's their higher yeah. ceiling or their higher floor. Yeah, you're you're a lot happier with that player than you are with with a guy at sixteen. Not that I wouldn't be happy with Tomasino. You're just feeling, yeah. you know, you're going to get more of an impact player, most likely, with the eleventh. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> they in this they walk out with Doc and Tomasino. If they were to move up and they were to walk out with Doc and Cousins or Doc and Krebs, 
yeah, that's that's fun times territory. <laughs> that's a major success. You know, Doc and Caulfield. Like the okay, there's there's your second line. Yeah, it's the the top six need gets filled a lot a lot better when when you start to work yourself into two picks in that area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you really just you lock it down and you're just it's there's no doubt about what you got going on. Yep, I agree. So interesting. Um, I'm excited, man. Yeah, I, I think too. this is going to be this is going to be a really fun weekend. There's already uh, while we were recording this, there's all kinds of talk about Vancouver wanting to move up. Uh, to trade up and and try to get to where Detroit is. That would be fun. Yeah. Again, further enhancing why the effing FFFF is Detroit not trying to get Byram, but okay. <laughs> and if Vancouver, if Vancouver makes that kind of a move, uh, they won't have enough to get from six to four, I don't think. Yeah, I can't imagine they would. Um, just to, before we get out, I'll, I'll just take a quick look at their, their cap situation. But, um, so that, that finishes up our mock, but yeah, they don't have any extra picks that are meaningful. They have three sixth rounders. Which yeah. It's not going to do it. <laughs> um, Corey Perry got bought out today. He sure did. Cool. That's good talk. Yeah. I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, agreed. Um, we talked about we talked about Pavelski and like, okay, right. that could make sense. Uh, Perry drove play better than I expected last year, but uh, I just don't see a great no. fit there. The Avs are not in a position to take a chance on a guy like that rebounding this year. Yeah, I would rather take a chance on a guy majorly declining versus one having a huge rebound at the same age. Right. So, great. Uh, okay. Any uh, any final thoughts on our mock draft here? Uh, I'm glad that this is the last mock and, and we can get the real thing done and it'll show how crazy all of my picks actually are. And then I can get excited for whoever the abs take and, and we can break them down even further. Yeah, I uh, I'll be writing another mock that'll go up. Uh, the same time this podcast will on Thursday. So, and of course you guys are listening to this on Thursday. So hello from the past, I guess. Um, it'll be interesting to, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun to, to compare mock notes when everything is done. Yeah. It's always fun to go back and look at like, Oh, this is the mock draft that I wrote and this is how everything unfolded. And it turns out none of us know anything. <laughs> Yeah, it would it would be nice to have the access Bob has to to ten teams of scouts, but even then, <laughs> yeah, even then he misses quite a few, doesn't yeah, he? So. I mean, even then he had Barrett Hayton at like eleven, and the guy got drafted fifth overall. So it's it's an impossible task trying to build the perfect board. It might be harder than March Madness or something. <laughs> yeah, or a board that's like even close. Yeah. 
you know, because I, I remember one of the guys that got, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the guys was on like 40 something on Bob's board last year and got drafted in the first round. Yeah. It, and it's just like, all right. It's just so hard to pick out because teams fall in love with guys and they say, we just got to take them and, and you can't pick that out. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> trying to make a try. There's a reason I don't release rankings every year because I, I don't think anybody cares about what my rankings are. <laughs> uh, so I don't assume that anybody does. So I don't, I don't bother with them. Um, but like everybody else, like I have, I have like a board that I go off of, but it's nothing special. Yeah, I mean, I have a rankings, but I, I like the tier system better. Yeah, the pyramid is a lot easier. Yeah, because you can say, all right, clearly Kako and Hughes are at the top, and then you have your your Byram, and uh, Byram and Turcotte almost made their own kind of like one and a half tier, and then you have the, the second tier forwards, and it's just easier to organize. Yeah, um, it it's... It's a. I think it should be the way that people do rankings moving forward. Like, yeah, I, I agree. It makes a lot more because, like, oh, this guy's eleven, but this guy's nineteen, and you're like, oh, the difference between them there... is like nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the difference between seven and nine is way bigger. Yep. So, all right, let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. It's uh, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Gut feeling, what do you think happens? For the Avs? Yeah. Uh, I really think they do get Doc. Yeah, I do too. At at 16, (laughs) I really don't have a good read on it. I do think they probably try and move it, but up or down is anyone's guess. I think we're in for some fireworks. Maybe yeah. not necessarily abs related, but league related. I think there's going to be a handful of. I have a trade to announce. With uh, with Batman tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, I guess it's <laughs> tomorrow night when you're listening to this. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun weekend, and the abs have to get this right. Otherwise, they might screw up everything they've built. No pressure. <laughs> That's all. Any uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, I think you pretty much covered it. This is this is the last time we should be drafting this intensely at the top, and don't miss. Don't miss, indeed. Good final words. That's going to do it for us. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. That's it for our pre-draft podcast talk. Uh, everything after this will be recapping what actually happened and moving forward towards uh, free agency. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys a ton for the support over the last month, month and a half. I know it's been a period of transition for a lot of us and certainly the show. I appreciate everybody that stuck with us through all of that. Nathan, I thank you again for coming on to the show and being such a great addition to, to what we've been doing over the last month and uh, looking forward to doing many more with you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited for the Av's future, and, and I'm excited for the future here at, at BSN, whatever that holds. Uh, we'll hopefully find out soon, but happy to keep doing the show with you. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, this weekend is going to be great. I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys later. We will, uh, 
yeah, I'm out. We'll see you guys then. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have trip to Streamsong, we have a trip to Bandon Dunes, we have a trip to Sand Valley, and then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org.